Welcome to the You Debate Sports Podcast, the new sports podcast that's bringing the debate to the fans. From football to basketball to baseball, let your voice be heard by joining our community of fans. And now, it's time for your host, Ken Bone. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the You Debate Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Bone, and this is our first ever podcast episode. Now, before we get into our show about who the number one quarterback should be and why LeBron shouldn't be the MVP, I want to go over what we're all about here. So basically what we're doing at U-Debate Sports is we're creating a platform that brings the sports debate to our community of fans by enabling them to engage with one another more directly in order to share knowledge and gain perspective. With that being said, the share knowledge and gain perspective part, it's extremely important that you follow us on social media at you debate sports so that we can share that knowledge and we can gain that perspective now getting into the meat of our episode nfl qbs now with the draft coming up the browns clearly have the number one pick again and what it looks like is that the jets are forcing their hand to draft a quarterback by moving up to the third selection in that trade with the colts now most people are saying that sam Darnold is the guy in all mock drafts but Let's get into it a little more. So with Sam Darnold, he had his pro day last Wednesday. He threw some really good balls to the sideline, deep balls, check downs. His arm accuracy was there and his arm strength was there. Enough to make all the throws accurate, deep balls, whatever you need. He also looked very mobile. Good ability to throw on the run. He was able to square his shoulders, deliver an accurate throw with power. And his smoothness in the pocket is just something that we don't see at the college level. He never seemed in a hurry. He always kept his feet under control and his feet underneath him, which is extremely important for a quarterback because if your feet get out of control, you're going to start having inaccurate throws. He has a bit of a long delivery, not quite like Tebow, but it doesn't really matter because the ball still comes out quick. He doesn't have that hitch at the back of his drops, so he can still get the ball out on time. And the biggest thing that he proved to the critics was that he was able to do it in all the rain. You know, it was a little sprinkle, it was a little California rain, you know. But it shows that he has the ability to play in all different types of weather. You know, there was questions about his small hands, whether he could grip the football in the rain, whether he could throw in the snow, whether he could throw in the elements, or whether he had to be a quarterback that could just play in California the rest of his career. Kind of like Jared Goff, you know, playing in Cal, coming to the Rams. He gets to play 10 games in California weather, in the sun. So there was that. The other thing about Sam Darnold in 2016-2017, uh, he started in 2016 as a redshirt freshman about three games into the season. Uh, he had a great year with great receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's now on the Steelers. But he looked like the number one overall pick. He had that performance in the bowl game against Penn State, the highest scoring bowl game at the time, or Rose Bowl game at the time. And he really did look like the number one pick if he would have come out at that time. But then he came back in 2007 and... Just looked a little off. You know, he had all these interceptions. He didn't have quite the receiving core, but he just didn't look like a number one pick. And then to finish it all off, he had that terrible bowl game versus Ohio State. Now, with Darnold, he has the potential to be a good quarterback. Some are saying Tony Romo, uh, who was a good quarterback. You know, a lot of people hated him, but he was a good quarterback. Some people are saying Alex Smith, who was the number one overall pick out of Utah in 2005 and has led his team to the playoffs, but is more of a second-tier talent. Um, He's going to be a decent quarterback, Sam Darnold is. He's going to be a quarterback that's kind of in that 
seven to ten range at the most probably more like that that 10 to 13 range in the nfl but he's going to be a decent quarterback on the other end of the spectrum the qb with probably the highest ceiling is josh allen from wyoming now if you guys haven't seen this guy throw he has some serious arm strength um he has the size six about six five and he has athleticism too he's he runs about a four seven six forty now the sky's the limit for this guy i mean he really does have that insane arm strength now there is a big risk however because of the questions with his accuracy accuracy really if you have poor accuracy it doesn't translate to the nfl qbs that turn the ball over just don't last you know you can't have a quarterback that's going to go up and throw two picks or just have a completion percentage under 50 percent you know it's just not going to work in the nfl because he needs to develop uh, i personally think the best fit for him would be the giants because he could have that year to sit behind Eli Manning and just really learn and and not be rushed. And it would give him that time, just kind of like how uh, how Aaron Rodgers got to sit under Brett Favre for a little bit and then look how he turned out. You know, it could be that same day. So Josh Allen has had his pro day on last Friday. Josh Allen did take snaps under center uh, at Wyoming, which is huge because this is how most NFL offenses run they run with the quarterback under center and this is a lot unlike Darnold who took less than 10 percent of his snaps under center now the big thing that he had to answer at his pro day was how his accuracy was going to be and honestly in his pro day he should have just had people line up 80 yards down the field and just start hucking balls because that's I mean I can't get over his arm strength it's just that impressive um but he did answer some of his accuracy questions you know didn't miss a lot of passes and it's not tough when you're throwing in shorts to receivers who don't have defenders on them. Nobody else has helped themselves out this offseason more than this guy. However, there's a certain point when you have to go back to the tape. And the tape's not pretty. He had three bad games versus Power 5 conferences. And he was 0-3 in those games. And that's basically what NFL competition is. I mean, that's the best of the best. Uh, and it's not when he's, like, when he's missing his throws. He's not missing them by a little bit. He's missing them by a ton. For a quarterback that could be going number one overall, you shouldn't be missing your throws by this bad. And he is. He had a game where he had only nine completions. You know, that's just not acceptable. That's the concerns that we're having. And many people think he could be the next Carson Wentz. I mean, he ran nearly the same 40 as Carson Wentz. Wentz had a 4.77. He had a 4.76. I mean, it doesn't get much more similar than that. They have the same body type, about 6'5". They're both athletic. And the same coach recruited him. The same coach that recruited Wentz to North Dakota State also recruited uh, Josh Allen to Wyoming. So there is that similarity. But, you know, even with Carson Wentz playing at a lower level with, at North Dakota State, he still had a crazy amount of success there. You know, you could look at that team and tell he was the best player on the field. And the same can't be really said for Josh Allen at Wyoming. You know, he had flashes. But it wasn't a consistent, you look at this guy and he is, without a doubt, the best player on the field. Now, with all this being said, if I'm the Browns at number one, I'm not taking Darnold and I'm not taking Allen. With Darnold, I'm not taking a quarterback that's going to be in the 8-10 to 10 range, like a second tier, possibly has a really good season in the first tier, or a multi-year project with Josh Allen. You know, it's just that's just not who I'm going to draft. I don't care if I've missed on every quarterback either, whether it be Manziel, Kaiser, Quinn, trading down, missing quarterbacks like Wentz and Goff. 
you just can't let the past define you. I get that it's more of a safe pick with Don, uh, Darnold at number one, but I'm not trying to be safe and settle with number one, especially when I have somebody like Tyrod Taylor that's already you know, going to put us in contention. That brings us to my boy, Josh Rosen. When I'm taking a number one overall pick, I'm looking for somebody like Peyton Manning, somebody like Andrew Luck, somebody like Cam Newton, something you can't miss. And while Josh Rosen probably won't be any of these, he has that type of skill set. This dude has a smooth release of the football. And when I mean smooth, I mean smooth. Many people said that he's the most natural thrower of the football that they've ever seen. I don't get uh, normally too excited about how quarterbacks throw, but when I saw this dude throw, I thoroughly enjoyed watching him throw the football and how the football comes out of his hand with such a tight spiral. The quarterback that I can most compare him to in the way that he throws the ball and the naturalness that he throws the ball with is Dan Marino. Now, will he turn out like Dan Marino? Will he have the same success as Dan Marino? It's really, it's highly unlikely, but I'm talking about just straight skill set. I mean, this dude has that skill set. So in his pro day, I mean, he showed his smooth release. You know, he showed that nobody has a better release than him. Nobody has that kind of arm at quarterback. But he also showed he's a smart kid. He showed he's versatile. That's what he wanted to prove, was he could do just about anything. He could throw on the run. He could throw deep balls, check downs. And he's a really smart kid. He'll be able to seriously control an offense. And not only control it and run it, but fundamentally understand it. He needs to be challenged in the film rooms on what they're doing and how they're running the offense. Similar to Allen, Josh Rosen did take snaps under center, which again is how NFL quarterbacks are going to have to run the offense. And he had that huge comeback against AM when everybody thought they were out of the game. Rosen led him back, and he had it, and he got the game. When he was out there, I mean, he was the best quarterback on the field. There's no, there's no debate. There's no debate that Josh Rosen is the best quarterback in this draft. However, a lot of people want to talk about his injuries. He did miss a significant number of games, only playing 17 his sophomore and junior year, which is still like a few, but not enough. If he had a semi-decent offensive line that could keep him upright, this really wouldn't be an issue. And... It's not the fact that the toughness was the question. He was playing through these injuries, and he was playing well through these injuries. But where NFL teams are concerned is more of the durability, more of can he stay on the field for you know, 10, 12 years at the quarterback position. And that's not really going to be an issue if you have an offensive line that can keep him upright. Now, if you have an offensive line like the Giants, where Eli Manning is getting sacked every other play, it seems like, then yeah, he's probably only going to last like five years. But if you have even a halfway decent offensive line, this is your guy at quarterback. Those aren't concerns. And with that said, I, I don't think there's really any doubt that Josh Rosen should be the number one quarterback prospect in this draft. So if you guys don't already, go ahead and head on over to our Twitter and Instagram accounts. Uh, follow us at Sports, and let us know who you think should be the number one quarterback. If you guys had any time to watch basketball last week in between all the pro days there was this guy named LeBron that just happened to have a pretty good game so he's a forward and he happened to have one of the best passing games in the history of basketball with 17 assists and zero turnovers oh and by the way he also scored 35 points on 11 of 19 shooting and had seven rebounds this was all to lead the Cavs 
to a 132-129 victory over the number one team in the East, the Toronto Raptors. Now, a lot of people are saying that LeBron's back as the number one candidate for MVP, but let's hold our horses a bit. I get that LeBron is the best player in the world. Could be, and certainly there's a debate that he is the best athlete that's ever played in any sport. At 6'8", 250 pounds, a 44-inch vert, and a 4'6'40", which for comparison, the average NFL running back runs a 4'5'9". Okay. But I'm not ready to give LeBron the title of most valuable player for the 2018 season. The main reason doesn't have to do so much with LeBron himself, as without his team, or without him on his team, his team would probably be a lottery pick. Like, let's take a look. George Hill at the 1, Rodney Hood at the 2, Osmond at the 3, Love at the 4, and Thompson at the 5. Like, who's, who's your scoring there? Who's getting all your buckets? Love? Who can't play a lick of defense? Like, you think the Cavs are already bad on defense? Like, imagine what they would be if they didn't have LeBron, who's one of the most versatile defenders, can guard one through five, and they don't have him, and they don't have him to spread the ball. Yeah, this team's a lottery pick. Maybe an eight seed in the East. Even that's pushing it, because look at, the, look at who we have as the current eight seed in the East. It's the Milwaukee Bucks, with a top five player in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and a really deep team with Middleton, Bledsoe, even Henson's league average center. But the main reason that LeBron isn't the MVP this year is because of one person, the beard, James Harden. Harden is leading the league in scoring with 31 points per game and is second in the league in assists with nearly nine per game. That's on a team with a top three passer of all time and Chris Paul, who also has about eight assists. The last time that somebody was top two in both categories, points and assists per game, was actually last year. And it wasn't Russell Westbrook, it was James Harden again. And there's a strong argument that he should have won MVP last year. But besides that, there's only two other seasons in the history of basketball that somebody has been top two in points per game and assists per game. And that's Oscar Robertson in the 1963-64 season when he won the MVP, as well as the 1966-67 season. If we want to get into more efficiency ratings, James Harden is the number one player in player efficiency rating which is basically a measure of a player's overall performance on a permanent basis. He has a player efficiency rating of 30.5. Now we look at his win shares, another efficiency rating, basically how much a player contributes to any given win. He leads that category with a rating of 11.9. And then there's value over replacement rating, also known as VORP, that measures how much better or worse any given player is than the league average player that could be playing his spot instead. And he's also first in that, at 6.2. He's on pace to be only the seventh player in NBA history to average over 30 points per game with a true field goal percentage of over 60%. And he's also led his team to the number one seed in the West. Now we can talk about how the West is better than the East and you know how every night there's better competition. But let's look at who the second team is in the West. The second team in the West is the Warriors, a team that's basically built a dynasty, going to three straight finals in a row, winning two of them. The only time that they got beaten was by the best player possibly ever in basketball, in LeBron James. And now this year, they have four All-Stars, and that team's in second place. The one reason that that team is in second place is because James Harden of the Houston Rockets has dominated the league in 2018. There are some arguments that LeBron could be 
you know, because once again, his team could be a lottery pick. And there's also arguments that since Boogie Cousins went down, that Anthony Davis should be the MVP. And even a few arguments that Dame Dalla, Dame Lillard, should be the MVP because of his performance and how he's scoring recently. But nobody does it with the domination of the NBA quite like James Harden's doing it this year. So that's why LeBron shouldn't be the MVP this year. Not because he hasn't performed, because he's 34 right now and he's playing the best he's ever played, but because James Harden has outright won this MVP, hands down. Guys, let me know what you think. If you think LeBron should be the MVP, if you think AD should be the MVP, or even if you think Dame Lillard should be the MVP, let me know. Head on over to our Twitter or Instagram page at UDebateSports. The last thing I wanted to leave you guys with was the Game of the Week segment, which this week it's going to be the Cavs versus the Heat, Tuesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific time on TNT. Just think it's going to be interesting. D. Wade facing off against the Cavs for the first time since he's left. And I just wanted to thank you guys for tuning in. If you guys have any ideas, let me know. This page is for you guys. So head on over to our Instagram or Twitter page, at Sports, And let us know what those ideas are so we can get them in on the podcast or write an article about them or whatever you guys want. Uh, so thanks again. Hope you guys can tune in next time. Probably be on Friday. We'll come out with another podcast. I'll let you guys know. I'll send it out on Twitter. And until then, happy debating.